Today is December 15th, 2022. My name is Spencer Ingram. This show is called Reality Stretch. Welcome. Let's stretch reality together. Alrighty. So what are we doing today? Let's figure it out. Alright, so what the heck are we doing here? So my name is Spencer Ingram and uh, my goal for 2023 is to do a daily live stream probably from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's 7 a.m. right now obviously but um, I want to do a daily live stream from about 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. and it's going to function as sort of my personal uh, brain processing. I'm just going to talk about things that I think are interesting or important or actionable or productive. And um, the idea is if anyone shows up to watch this thing or if it gains any traction over the year, over the course of the year, then hopefully participants will tweet at me on Twitter or uh, chat with me in the chat and give me some things that they think are interesting. And um, if I also think it's interesting, entertaining or important or any of those things, then, then we'll, uh, we'll discuss it as well. So if my, um, audience here grows from zero to you know whatever figure then hopefully we'll be able to get some participation and we will all stretch reality together so um reality stretch reality stretch what is it uh it's it's a concept. It's a brand, yes. It's my own brand. I thought of it in 2017. But it's a concept and and behind it is uh is the idea that we should not scale our vision to meet reality, but rather we should stretch reality to meet our vision. It's just a general feeling it's it's meant to be inspirational it's meant to be enabling and empowering and creative so the intent is for everybody to feel that with reality stretch you hear the word you see the brand yeah i can do this i can challenge myself i can push myself beyond the limit i can learn something new i can act on the things i learn and just let's get it done so what are we going to do today? The format of the show generally, uh, since we're just starting out with an hour, the first part of the show is going to be called what I call uh, the sandbox. Okay, here in the sandbox, it's the, it's the field of all possibilities. All right, we're going to consider ideas and we're going, basically, 
so on a personal note, this show is going to help me stay accountable. Because if I think, hey, I'm publicly broadcasting something that's going to always be a permanent feature of cyberspace, well, I'm going to feel a little bit of accountability towards that. Because I want to spend a portion of every morning, every morning when I wake up, I want to spend a portion of the day learning something new and developing plans and figuring out how to stretch myself, setting goals, following up on goals, uh, checking my own personal progress. And so I'm hoping that this cyberspace is going to be my accountability partner. I'm hoping that just the thought of broadcasting something out there is going to help keep me on track. Now, this is also going to help me do what I call procrastinate procrastination. What that means is I am easily distracted. I have uh, not clinically diagnosed, but I would imagine I have some degree of ADD or ADHD. I have a difficult time staying on track. So I keep a note on my phone called um, the sandbox. And what I'm starting to do is when I have an idea that I want to look into, I simply write it down. And, and there's something that's important. So the goal is to be more productive, to produce more, to give more. But in order to give, you have to have some something to give, right, in life. So my goal is to be a, a more productive person. In order to do that, I need to cut down on distractions. Now, here's what's interesting. If you can overcome the initial impulse to be distracted and look away. Don't try to stop it. That's very important because if you try to stop your brain, if you're like me and you try to stop your brain, your mind from wandering, good luck. Doesn't work for me. Might work for you, but do we really want to kill that or suppress that portion of ourself, that creative side anyway? I would argue no. But here's the thing. You can't let it run your life. You have to figure out a way to manage it. Now, here's what's interesting. All of life is time and people. How do we manage our time and how do we manage our relationships with people? So, all of life is time and people. So, if we, seeing as we have a limited time, how are we best going to use it? Now, th the resource of money is generated it's just an energy and the resource of money is generated depending on how you use the two most important resources of time and people using your relationship with people and how to win friends and influence people how to influence them so when you are if you want to avoid an impulse buy okay if you want to avoid an impulse purchase what you're instructed to do is to take the purchase and think about it for a little bit rather than just buying right there in the moment. It's no different than, um, than your focus and attention because your focus and attention are a currency. That's why everything in cyberspace is trying to capture your focus and attention and there's a monetary value to your focus and your attention. And it's important to advertisers. It's what they try to capture. It's what they pay for. So obviously, there is a, a, a currency to your time and attention. 
So just like if you want to avoid an impulse purchase, you need to put a, a little bit of time there. Don't buy it in an impulse. And the reason for that is to, uh, a lot of people find that after they put a little bit of time in, after they're not in the heat of the moment, they find that what they thought was so important to buy right then and there actually wasn't that important. But if it is and they end up buying it, they had more time to consider it and really shore up their initial um, perception of it. So it's no different when you're um, talking about the expenditure of your time and attention. So when you're presented with a distraction, thank the distraction for showing up because it's a new enlightenment coming into your life, something cool. It's a, it's a possibility. You're living in the field of all possibilities. So presented with a distraction, what should you do? Well, what I'm doing now is I take the distraction, thank it for coming, welcome it into my life, and then I write it down for treatment later. Okay, so an idea enters the sandbox, but I'm not going to investigate it or flush it out or process it or treat it at that time. I'm going to procrastinate the procrastination instead of procrastinating the primary purpose or task that is grabbing my attention or should be grabbing my attention at that time. So if I'm using time blocking and I've set up a certain time of the day for a specific activity and these distractions appear... They're great. Welcome them, but let them know that you will deal with them in their own time. So write them down. And my sandbox is a note that I keep on my phone where I put down things that I think are interesting or things I would like to look into further. And then this show, I will address things that seem interesting from the sandbox. I might look at my sandbox during the show and I might say, huh, that was interesting but it's not that interesting. So let's not talk about it. So just like the expenditure of money, the expenditure of time and attention, we might find that something's actually not as interesting as, as I had originally thought. But once we filter through what's been presented in the sandbox, we move to the treatment phase of the program where we're going to consider the things that are in the sound box, consider selected items from the sound box. And then the uh, final portion of this program is going to be the honing or mastery of a familiar craft. So the idea is what we actually spend our time on is going to be a curated list of the sandbox. So think of the beginning of the show as a high level overview of ide different ideas, the middle portion of the show is a slightly lower delve into the details. Spend maybe five, ten minutes looking things up on, you know, search engines or the internet, and then, um, and then the last portion of the show is learning a little bit more about something. Learning a little bit more about something that we've deemed important enough in the prior stages. Now, this is something that we may, with which we may already be familiar, but we want to learn more about it or, you know, master additional skills. The aim of this podcast is to be substantive because I think that there's a deficit of substantive podcasts out there. There are millions of podcasts so many podcasts and this one is just one just one 
<laughs> just a, a needle in the haystack. But why did I make it? I made it because I haven't yet found a podcast that I thought was substantive. There are some out there, but there's a couple rules that I was looking for, a couple filters, a couple criteria. I have a philosophy that I'm developing, my personal philosophy in life. And it's it's leaning much more towards being very positive. What I'm getting at is I want to be able to, from a podcast, my ideal podcast is I learn something that is substantive and actionable, maybe inspirational and hopefully entertaining. I want to be able to smile each morning. Okay, now, previously in my life, I've listened to a lot of political podcasts. Um, I listened to Joe Rogan. I listened to Lex Friedman. I'll listen to How Stuff's Made. I love Darknet Diaries by the guy that goes by the name Jack Recider. Who knows who he actually is? That's a fun one about hacking, uh, white hat hacking, etc. Uh, black hat hacking. But that's a fun podcast if you're ever bored. I really like listening to, um, that guy's a great storyteller, by the way, for what it's worth. And then one of my friends turned me on to a uh, podcast called The Brian Buffini Show. And it's changed its its name to It's a Good Life Podcast. And it the guy coaches realtors, but now he's starting to try to market more towards coaching small business owners. Um and which he's been doing from the get-go, but now he's just kind of rebranding it. Very good podcast. And, you know, I stopped listening to politics. And why did I do that? I stopped listening to politics and national news. And why? Because I think it's not substantive anymore. And it's not productive. I think that the people that do political podcasts and shows are hats off to them. I think that they're doing a very important work and they feel they're doing a very important work. But most of the political podcasts out there are othering our uh, our fellow humans, our brothers and sisters. They're othering them with an insurmountable ideological barrier. And it becomes an echo chamber. So one of the things that I needed in a podcast was a show that does not other or make an enemy out of my fellow human beings. And that's a commitment I'm doing here is I'm not, you know, there's this saying that I've heard thrown around in reference to the mainstream media that says, if it bleeds it leads. Now, I'm located in Boise, Idaho. That's where I call home, the wonderful Boise, Idaho. And I followed our, my local paper, my local newspaper. It's one of them. It's called the Idaho Statesman. I followed them on Twitter, and I just unfollowed them two days ago. The reason is it's the Idaho Statement. Statesman. Idaho Statesman. So I wanted local Idaho news. But if you look at their Twitter feed, it's like national stories. Like I looked at the last 10 stories in the Twitter feed and it was like Texas, Texas, 
North Carolina, New York, and I just tweeted at them, and I'm like, hey guys, I'm unfollowing today because I wanted local Idaho news, and instead, I'm just getting clickbaity, bleeding headlines. I'm like, sorry, it's not appealing to me. It's not interesting to me. I'm not going to contribute to the if it bleeds, it leads narrative. Okay, I would rather have an actual news group that talks about current events in a positive, non-volatile light. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? Maybe we're going to do this in this show because I still like current events. But where's the filter that gives it to me in a non-dramatic, entertaining, but still informative frame? So some of the things that we're going to do is obviously we're going to avoid any situation that will other our fellow human beings. Because on a national scale, if we're listening to someone talk about all of these people that are trying to destroy our country on a national scale, like let's pick a let's pick a hot topic. Let's say someone like Joe Rogan says that Joe Biden is like the worst president ever, and here's why. And I haven't really heard Joe go as far as to say that Biden is maligned or malicious but let's say that he did say that because there's definitely plenty of people saying that i don't know joe biden i don't i don't know him if i think he's a horrible person what is that doing to serve me i can't change what he does on a daily basis i might be able to influence it if my voice is loud enough but unlikely here's what i'll say about political philosophy i really didn't you know, I didn't have anything planned today, but who am I kidding? Uh, <laughs> I didn't have anything planned anyway. End of story. So might as well monologue about this stuff. And we can uh, get into the sandbox here in a little bit. But my political philosophy in a nutshell, I am not, I don't define myself as a libertarian or an anarchist. I don't, I you know, this is what I'll say, but what I'm about to say will sound very libertarian. But I'm not a libertarian. Okay. I'm probably just an independent, to be honest. But what I will say is anywhere power is coalesced or centralized, it will be abused. If it has the potential to be abused, it will be abused. I don't care which party is in power. I don't care who's t seizing control. But listen, I'm not othering other people. I am othering human nature and the negative, the potential negative uh, consequences of following human nature. I would say history has shown time and time again that whenever power, wherever power is centralized, then an individual or group who has made it their objective in life to gain power and control others has a path and a vehicle available to them to do so. 
wherever power is centralized or coalesced, it has the potential and a high probability of being abused. And when I reference abuse, I personally define that as coercion against general will, if such a thing as general will exists. Let's speak on individual terms. Using authority as a club to coerce a minority to bend the knee to the majority is not what I would define as a free or fair society. There are aspects of human nature that are unfree or unfair by default, to be sure. But I am in favor of decentralized, localized power, control, and authority. So I personally, no matter which political party is involved, I would personally rather see many rights return to the states and many programs return to the states. I am generally against the institution and expansion of federal programs. And that goes as far as, um, you know, Medicare, Social Security, the Federal Reserve, all of that, all of those institutions, I would personally rather see them on the state level. Um, I'd love to debate that if I ever hear anyone that's a strong uh, federal, <laughs> is federalist even the right word for it? I don't know. I have a book. I have the Federalist Papers by Hamilton and Madison. Here it is. Right here. Okay. Yeah. I've got the Federalist. Maybe, maybe, actually, yeah, it just is called the Federalist. I wonder if there's a difference between the Federalist and Federalist Papers. I don't know. Uh huh. Maybe that's something I'll throw in the sandbox. But anyway, someone who's a proponent of a strong federal government. Let's, uh, you know, if, Anyone ever listens to this who's a big fan of the feds, of the federal government, then hop on. Let's have a discussion. Let's, uh, let's have a friendly debate. So I'm not a fan of anyone who others, other people, my fellow human beings. I'm much more of a fan of Lex Friedman's approach of just spreading love. Spreading love. But now I am in favor of othering negative aspects of human nature. Laziness, greed, selfishness, pursuing one's own self-interest at the expense of others. I will other attributes all day. And certainly there's a portion of me that are these attributes. But I hope that the portion that is love sharing, caring, boldness, looking for truth, hopefully humble. I hope that the portion of me that are those things, it's like the two wolves analogy. We each have a dark side and a light side within us. We each have selfishness against selflessness. And if we're comparing our bests against other people's worsts or if we're comparing their bests against our worst we can't read other people's minds so be forgiving of yourself be forgiving of other people realize that all conflict in this life all conflict 
is a result of a misunderstanding and malignment of principles not understanding other people I knew someone once a good friend who said that there are only two types of people in this world those we love and those whom we do not yet understand I love that quote it's not my own don't know where it came from don't want to look it up right now <laughs> I don't know man on the internet who's to say I could even find a reputable source saying who that's from but maybe I'll look it up maybe that'll go into the sandbox for another time so look at this I said we were going to look at the sandbox and pick some interesting things to talk about and then I went on a monologue about philosophy and my views on politics um Like I had someone the other day tell me, just again, I did get into a little short forum debate, a couple minutes long. Someone said <clears throat> that we would briefly talked about political views. They said, yeah, we should absolutely abolish the Electoral College. I'm like, well, let's chew on that for a minute. We, <laughs> we understand the prevalence of quote-unquote misinformation, misinformation, um, <clears throat> Fake news is the ta the term originated. So let's say that w that we elected a president by purely a democratic majority vote. That's it. That's all we do. Let's say the president is I don't know Sally. Ferguson, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Let's say that there's a president running for office and her name's Sally, it doesn't matter. Let's say the election's on a Tuesday and let's say Monday, forget mail-in voting, absentee voting for a moment. Let's say the election day's Tuesday and let's say we live in a world where we know the election results at the end of the, by the end of the day, okay? Um, <laughs> imagine we lived in that world, that's so funny. Uh, it seems like it wasn't too long ago. Anyway, Monday night, a story gets blasted out by an institution that doesn't really care about its credibility or does not admit culpability because they were just passing along a leaked info. Let's say a story comes out late Monday night that says, hey, Sally uh, beat beat her pet dog to death and malnourished them then beat the dog to death. And that comes out the day before the election. How do you think that would influence a, a purely majority vote? And is that so different from what we do now? Does the Electoral College, you know, help? I don't know, but it's something to consider. I'm not saying that it's like the end-all, be-all, we can't change it. What I'm saying is let's have a discussion. Because what would happen in that instance is that news story would come out and there would be chaos and... I, it would definitely influence, if that story was widespread, it would definitely influence the outcome of the election. Um, and then that news source, that news uh, broadcast would basically say, oh, you know, we vetted it, we got it from this source, but turns out it was fake, never mind, we, you know, we retract it, we apologize. But unfortunately, the election's already been had, the influence had already been distributed amply, and the uh, outcome was swayed. 
So I think that they're, and also here's the deal. If we're just making our decisions off of headlines, remember if it bleeds, it leads. Who's to say a national headline is even true or properly represented? Is there a proper representation? Every victor is someone else's villain and every villain is someone else's victor. Um, it's not the right way to say that. Every hero is a villain to someone else, and every villain is a hero to someone else. So, is there actually a, a proper interpretation of something, or does it just depend on the filters we're applying individually? Interesting thoughts, anyway. I will have one interesting observation on the quote-unquote left versus quote-unquote right. You know, Scott Adams created Dilbert. I used to listen to his podcast, um, Real Coffee with Scott Adams. It's an interesting listen for sure. I don't really listen to it anymore because it just, I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't doing much for me. But again, it's great if anyone, if anyone wants some entertainment. But one thing he said that I thought was really valuable is he said, you know, our opinions are not our own. They are assigned to us and I was thinking a lot about that I think that there's that's very insightful I think our opinions are largely assigned to us so where are we going to subscribe to receive our opinions and one commentary on the the left versus right dialogue is uh, we're seeing what Elon Musk is doing right now dumping the the Twitter files highly entertaining everybody I'm just viewing it as entertainment. I wouldn't get, I wouldn't allow myself to get worked up about something, um, again, that I, I can't control. So don't lose sleep over these things. Smile, acknowledge, and move on. Because again, none of us are a party to the actual context. And I sincerely believe that there's a portion inside of everybody that wants to do good and wants to do the right thing. And uh, what I think is interesting, though, is the people who really freak out about free speech versus misinformation. Do you have a duty to suppress misinformation or should it be carte blanche? license to total free speech which free in a lot of people's minds means anarchy do we want anarchy of thought anarchy of free speech in the marketplace of ideas you know let's go all the way should you be able to yell fire in a crowded theater you know a, a true a true um a true sort of anarchist of speech would say absolutely sure so let's let's look at that funny that idea all i'm observing is if you take what scott adams said about our opinions being assigned to us all i'm saying is if you look at who is freaking out about the purveyance of misinformation and potential hate speech who is freaking out about that Guaranteed, if you look at the people who want to control speech, they are also the people 
who know firsthand opinions are assigned and they are not our own because they are influencers who have experience influencing. So it's interesting to notice that the, the, the former Twitter execs that were so concerned about the purveyance of misinformation, why were they so concerned about the purveyance of misinformation is because they knew opinions can be assigned and people can be influenced. I don't want to say manipulated because it has a sort of a negative connotation, but the idea is those who really are in the quote-unquote know in this regard know that opinions are assigned and people are influenced through a variety of means. Therefore, should we really fault them for trying to suppress speech they genuinely felt was dangerous? If you knew speech was dangerous because it can totally assign people's opinions and sentiment, and you didn't act to suppress something you genuinely felt was dangerous, what kind of a human would you be? I mean, that, I'm serious. What kind of a person would you be if you felt like you could stop something that was actually dangerous from happening, and you didn't stop it? So that's why I say don't judge. You know, people on the right say this person wants us to suppress free speech what a tragedy what a travesty what a malicious act but i say give everybody the benefit of the doubt give everybody the benefit of the doubt and assume there is a good side and a bad side and also recognize we simply don't understand other people's thought process or motivations Given that you cannot read their minds, why assume the worst? That's one of the lessons that I want to convey is if you can't read someone's mind, why assume the worst? Why not assume the best of that person and who they are? Every person was, I always think this is interesting for context. What's more innocent than an infant? Huh? You just look at their face and they'll cry, they'll smile according to what they're feeling. But how can you look at an infant and say they're malicious? They're there to destroy the world. And I just have to remind myself when I look around that everybody was an infant at one point. Everybody was a kid at one point blatantly honest, inquisitive, excited, optimistic to a fault. Everybody was a kid once. What did their path look like that made them into who they are today? Recognize the best in every person and recognize that it's our experiences that build our perception and our filter through which we see the world. Don't let anger rule your life. Don't let fear rule your life. Now, as far as positive energy is concerned, I do believe in that thought, that new age sort of thinking, that what you put your attention on, you get more of. 
what you put your attention on, you get more of. So don't spend your days. Don't walk around with a sign that says, don't be afraid. Don't be angry. Because what the universe hears are the subjects of those sentences. Anger and fear. So a little tidbit. Try to catch yourself. And I just caught myself doing this. Because I said, don't be afraid. Don't be angry. Don't let fear and anger rule your life. But I'm thinking about fear and anger. And try to trying to stop them when I say that. So instead, think of the the antonym antonym of those concepts opposite of fear what's the opposite of fear faith courage bravery what's the the antonym of anger peace happiness so what do we say on our shirts instead put on a shirt be happy Take courage, be brave, you can do it, just do it, I don't know, I'm sure that that phrase, does Nike have that phrase copyrighted, I don't know, can you get dinged for saying that, maybe you gotta go the Shia LaBeouf route, just say do it, (laughs) fuck on that YouTube video right, do it, oh do it, anyway, So there's a monologue. I would avoid any influence that others, your fellow humans, and assigns malintent to them. We live in a world of abundance. We live in a world of peace, of happiness. There's a lot that's sad. But that's okay. That's part of life. There's a lot that's difficult. That's okay. That's part of life. I happen to believe in God. And I'm I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I would be remiss if I did not attribute anything good in my life to Jesus Christ. And anything I've learned, any light I've accepted into my life. Because I think the notion of loving people instead of assuming assuming, assuming the nefarious intent of someone who's not even in our immediate circle of influence is a losing battle and an unproductive battle. And I believe that Jesus Christ taught us to love one another as he has loved us. Now, if I became friends with someone and I learned their philosophy and I thought, personally, I thought there were errors in their philosophy... I hope that I, as a friend, would find a loving way to address it and discuss it. If I had a friend who said, every single day, I find a way to kick someone in the shin. And I say, well, that's not very nice. He said, yeah, but the trick to it is you got to kick him in the shin in a way to where you're not personally liable for it. 
you can get away with it. Scott, Scott free. Is it Scott free? Scotch free? What's that phrase anyway? I just say it. Let's say Scotch free. You can get away with it. No one's going to catch you. You're not going to get sued. You know, but let's say you have an invisibility cloak from Harry Potter. You throw on the invisibility cloak and his goal, this friend's goal, you know, just want to kick one shin every single day. You say, why? Say, well, because it's funny. You watch that person, they, 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 they're bewildered. They don't know who kicked them in the shin, what kicked them in the, the shin, why the shin, did anything even kick them or did their shin somehow implode and now they're limping off and it's hilarious. If I had someone that held that philosophy in my immediate circle, I hope that I would speak up as a friend. I hope that I wouldn't say, you do you. You know, you do you, boo, to each their own. I, I hope I wouldn't say that. I hope I would discourage, if they're a friend, or j even just merely an acquaintance, I hope that I would discourage them, and this is how I would do it. Friend, that's interesting that you like to kick people in the shins, and you find some satisfaction from that. Tell me about that. What does that mean? And I hope we would have a discussion about it and I would find a way to take their side initially and then slowly bring them around to seeing that there are better ways to spend their time other than kicking people in the shins. I think in general, that's the method that we should take to flush out an idea. We might come through on the other side finding that it was our idea that we previously espoused that was incorrect and now we should change it. We're willing to change. But the only way that we can all align is through an open dialogue. I definitely don't recommend going and kicking people in the shins. Why? There's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a a filter that I apply to general processes and philosophies. And it doesn't work in every situation, but it's, it's nice for a standard rule. I often say if everybody participated in similar activities, would it lead to a sustainable and productive society? If everybody ran around kicking each other in the shins, would it help our society? I'm going to go ahead and answer, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think the, I think that that activity would cause more pain than resolution. There's a great book that I've read, uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he mentions in there a study. This is how I learned about the study. Don't remember what it's called. Don't remember who studied it. Sure, some important esteemed organization. But it had two people who had their degree of interaction separated or offset by a mechanism. And what would happen was it was analyzing people's perception of an impact versus their distribution of an impact. So imagine you have two people sitting across the table. And let's say that there's a device where one person presses a button and the force with which they press the button is the same force that's exerted on another person's finger. I think this is how the, it was set up. So let's say you've got a button you can press 
and then a device clamps down on the other person's finger let's say you press the button with your right hand or something and it clamps down on your finger of your left hand with a sim the, an equal pressure the idea was somehow they set up this experiment to where they asked the person to exert on each other the same pressure they perceived from the other action and what they found was a an escalation they found an escalation where if someone is trying to trade tit for tat if they are exerted upon and the other person is tasked with exerting a pressure in an equal amount they found that everybody was exerting more pressure than what equal to what they perceived but what they perceived was greater than what was actually distributed or received by them where am i going with this the same applies in life many times we want to retaliate someone we think has done us a great harm but in reality using this concept of escalation the hurt that we perceive our perception of the hurt paints the hurt as being much stronger than what was actually received by us if received at all and the most strange and unfortunate interaction you see this a lot with couples this is also in in this book is that an argument between a couple is simply two people vying for the victim's spot it's two people just playing the victim game and finding ways that they can paint the other person as uh, the inflictor of the pain they have experienced, thereby making themselves a victim. So you think, isn't it funny when two people argue? It's, it's not funny. It's unfortunate. When two people are arguing, vying and competing for the spot as the victim, we want to be the victim. This person hurt me, injured me, oppressed me, And they both claim that of the other person. Is one lying? Or do they genuinely feel that they have been injured by the other party? Remember that principle of escalation. Now, it will be apparent in, in many aspects of life that the pain... If... This is why what Christ taught is so important of turning the other cheek. If someone sues you also you know at the law for your cloak also give them your coat or however that goes he taught a higher law and i think the principle in the higher law is don't just lay down and take it i don't think that's the principle i think the principle is there's a lot about this situation that you simply do not understand so be forgiving be patient don't judge the other person you don't know what's going on in their mind you don't you don't know where they came from you don't know what happened but that also doesn't mean if you're in a situation where you feel unsafe or are harmed or injured it doesn't mean you just sit there and take it either it means you get yourself out of there but don't seek retaliation instead rather practice forgiveness and patience that's the principle that's being taught there so especially on the extreme example if someone's in an abusive relationship the abuser for sure has mental difficulties that are 
incomprehensible and ununderstand you know not understandable for someone to resort to physical emotional sexual abuse whatever the form it may take that person's carrying a lot of baggage with them and that doesn't mean that you need to be the one to carry that baggage i recommend you don't i recommend you find a place of healing get out of that situation so i don't think christ is teaching if you're being abused or if you're in an abusive relationship, you've deserved it and just take it. That's not, that's not what he's saying there in my opinion. Um, anyway, soapbox, where am I going with this? It, I'm going to a place where I ask when I evaluate something, if everybody did it, would it be sustainable as a society and would it be a net positive or net negative? Can I even know these figures? I don't know, but it's a general filter. So if everybody ran around kicking each other in the shins, it would cause a net, I think it would cause a net physical pain. Now, if you're a masochist and you think physical pain is good, then maybe you're actually benefiting society. But I would take, I would take fault with that. <laughs> but you're welcome to speak that opinion and, you know, come on and debate me. <laughs> but I always say if everybody participated in a, and an in-kind activity, would the world be a better or a worse place? And I like a phrase that I found in The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. I think it's in public domain. You can find the audiobook on YouTube. It's only two hours long. Recommend it. Great listen. There's a phrase in there that I've adopted. More life to all and less to none. More life to all and less to none. We don't advance in life through taking advantage of other people, but finding ways in which we can work together with people in a mutually beneficial way. A lot of people have gotten rich or wealthy by taking advantage. What I would define as taking advantage of other people. They might define it differently. But again, I don't judge those people. I'm just giving an analysis of what I believe to be the outcomes and results of their actions, what I perceive them to be. And they would probably perceive them totally different. I knew someone once who bought a piece of property off a kid who inherited it and couldn't afford the property taxes. So this person I knew offered this kid far below the market value of the house and the kid accepted it and this person i knew thought they did the right thing or at least they said they thought they did the right thing i believe otherwise i believe people try to find real estate deals and if you can find them more power to you but i personally would rather find something where i'm not a real estate investor i would find something like a distressed property that maybe needs to be fixed up and people just aren't willing to put the sweat equity into it. Or maybe you can find some tax, you know, tax investing or gimmickry or trickery or something. That's fine. That's more like gaming the system. But I think straight up taking advantage, in my opinion, here's where I think, here's where I'm not comfortable ethically with what happened there. If I would have been the person that's like, hey, kid, you can't afford the taxes on this place and you just want it out of your hair, here's a far below market value offer. But I don't tell him that. I say, I'll give you this much money for this house. Get it out of your hair. 
you don't have to pay the taxes on it. To me, I would not sleep well that night. <laughs> uh, but some people would. Some people are like, hey, the kid is a, an illegal adult. They made a conscious decision. They voluntarily entered into this agreement. But to me, it is not, as a, a society of of this plant, as a citizen of this planet, as a you know fellow, as a human being, I feel like that that buyer took advantage of that seller. Because that kid who couldn't afford the property taxes. Had he been given better advice, could have sold that home at slightly below the market value if he wanted to get it off his plate faster, but walked away with about 100%, 100% more than what he walked away with. Now, you might find some... Definitely the next step in the ethics would have been to admit look, kid, you can go on the market and get almost twice as much as I'm offering you. So are you sure you want to move forward? Because this is a great deal for me, and I'm ha happy to take it. But I need to let you know, if you went to an actual realtor or did some research, you could get this property sold for way more. Anyway, I think that all of society's issues and conflicts stem from the action on a motive to take more than you give. And in the case of, that's in the case of a benefit. Take more benefit than you give. Now, in the negative case of pain, you want to distribute more than you've received. Those are selfish, self-interested, negative traits. And every single problem in society stems from that. One is victimhood and the other is greed. A proactive taking of more than you're giving is greed. A reactive distribution of a perceived injustice in excess of what was actually received is a proactive victim but every single ill in society anything that is painful that is misunderstanding that has negative consequences any of that stems from people trying to take more than they give in the case of a benefit or give more than they've received in the case of a, a detriment of a pain so to flip that we should all seek to give if everybody seeks to give more than they receive, or rather to generate more in order to give, to be creative, to, to give a gift of knowledge or time or, or resources in excess of what they've received. Although most truly abundant and successful people that have a positive mindset will recognize that they can never give more than they have received because they will be truly grateful and they'll recognize, I think that they would recognize God as the source of their abundance and infinite, infinite source of their abundance and blessings. Now, 
with that being said, I realize there are very many secular people who are rich, but the, 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 the attitude of gratitude and abundance is of paramount importance. I think a secular person who has become rich through gratitude and abundance mindsets, they believe in God. They just believe in a different form of God. They believe in the universe as God or some sort of positive entity, but there is a God in that person's life and they're grateful for what they've received. And again, it is possible to become rich, successful, and influential using greed and selfishness. It is. It is. It is. But I, that's not, in my opinion, that's not the way to flow with the universe and align yourself with God. Because that activity is contrary to your nature, to God's nature, and the, the nature of the universe. And you're going to find, in my opinion, karma will come around. <laughs> <laughs> you reap what you sow and in one way or another whether in the form of an awful personal life not having any sincere genuine friends remember that song by abba called man in the middle it says he's got all these things but he can't buy an honest friend <laughs> got all the things money can buy but can't buy an honest friend I love that song. Hopefully we'll get a renaissance of that at some point because it's very profound. Very countercultural. I think that we should all focus on increasing our positivity and our abundance mindset. Aligning ourselves with one of my friends says our best timeline. He's always saying we're on our best timeline and he says that every single day. He's a cool guy. Anyway, so the, coming back to the filter, is it a net positive for society if everybody participates in this activity? Or is, just, is it a, only a net positive for the participant? Because generally speaking, an activity that is mostly a net positive for the participant is unsustainable if everybody participates in it. A principle of, I want to learn as much as I can and be the best I can be is a sustainable objective and outcome for every member of society to say, I want to be the best at everything out of the 10 people in my circle, comparing building an artificial podium and striving for the top is an unsustainable outcome. Because not everybody in the world can achieve it. If you artificially create a podium and say, there must only be one. There must only be one winner here and it's going to be me. That's an unsustainable activity. I'm sorry. Be the best you can be. Strive for your personal best. Improve yourself. Stretch your reality. In a manner that you can pull other people up with you. And you can do it. Undoubtedly, people do it every single day. You can do it. You know, the recent episodes of It's a Good Life podcast with Brian Buffini, he was talking about self-belief. And if you're listening to this right now and you want to go check out that podcast, do it. Because I love it. I love it. It's great. And he talks about a lot about um, how comparison is uh 
just go listen to it. It's good. Talks a lot about how you shouldn't compare yourself with other people, kind of like I mentioned in the past, because you're comparing your worst to other people's best or vice versa. And if you're comparing other people's worst to your best, then you're artificially boosting your ego in a detrimental way. Going back to my general evaluation, if everybody were to theoretically, hypothetically participate in this activity, is it sustainable? I think that Ponzi schemes, situations where, hey, here's a deal, you do all the work and we'll split the benefits 50-50, the Tom Sawyer method. Ponzi schemes, like I mentioned, other types of schemes, they don't pass that test. They don't pass that sustainability test for me. Because a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme, let's call it, let's let's look at a pyramid scheme by default. The essence of a of, of a pyramid scheme is you do this, you do X for an X plus half of x benefit and the way you gain the x plus half of x benefit so 1.5 return total return um, or a 0.5 return in excess of what was invested the way you gain that benefit is to get two more people to sign up or two more people to participate it's it's a pyramid de by definition. A pyramid scheme is unsustainable because let's say everybody on the planet participated. Well, then about half or more of the planet is going to lose a net loss. The um, gambling, if everybody participated in the Powerball, unsustainable. If everybody put all of their money, let's say for the sake of argument, put all of their money into the Powerball, that's probably the prime example of an unsustainable um, endeavor. No, uh, hardly anyone is going to benefit equally from uh, that type of activity. So does it pass that sniff test of is it sustainable if everybody participated in it? Uh I don't remember what was a specific example that got me into that. I was going to take that filter and apply it to what we were talking about. Anyway, those are just general rules. I guess um, today I'm going to look at some more things. What are some things that are in the sandbox? I'm going to hop off here because it's been an hour. But what are some things that are in the sandbox? There's a lot of fun stuff. Let's just talk about what's in my personal sandbox, okay? And let's slap some things in the public sandbox. So I'm going to switch my, my view here. For people that are maybe listening to this, I have a document that is the public sandbox. Because I keep a private sandbox and then I select things that I think might be of interest and put them on the public sandbox, of which I haven't done. What are some things in my personal sandbox that I think are interesting and relevant for today?
to society today. First of all, I think chat GPT. If you're sleeping on this, check it out. It's incredible. I love it. It's so much fun. Chat GPT is a chatbot language model artificial intelligence from OpenAI. And you can just sign up for it at if you just Google chat GPT OpenAI. You can sign up for it there and you put in a prompt and it spits out some things based off its language model training. I want to play with that because it's awesome. So I'm going to throw in the sandbox maybe for tomorrow or later. Chat GPT. I've been playing with it and it is so much fun. Also, I like to explore things that are in the public domain. And among those are LibriVox for audio recordings, Project Gutenberg for um, ebooks. And now let's talk about more audio. Very exciting. And lots of people don't even know that this happened because it's been flying under the radar. But don't sleep on this. National Jukebox. National Jukebox. Did you know as of this year, any audio recordings that are available that were recorded before 1922 are now in public domain? Yay! Don't we love public domain, open source work, etc. Um, the, the nice yodeling intro... I love it. I love it. But the intro I played at the beginning of this stream or, you know, this program, if you're listening to the, you know, it later on demand as a podcast, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the recording of this, uh, stream and, and publish it as a podcast every day after the stream. Anyway, that little intro you heard, that yodeling intro that was recorded in, uh, well, actually, let me just put this on the to-do in the sandbox. Talk about the intro. I pulled that off the National Jukebox. It was recorded prior to 1922, and I will tell you about the guy who recorded it. And let's see if we can Google and find his backstory. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I saved the MP3 with all of the guy's details that did the recording. I want to say it was like in 1911 or something like that. But National Jukebox is a treasure it's a treasure and contains so much info um let's see and so many fun recordings there's opera classical music yodeling ethnic music like irish music uh blues jazz i mean it's great it is great what else is in my uh private sandbox we can talk about ai art this person does not exist. It's a website where you just refresh and it spits out an AI-generated person. We can do schoolwork. I still am in a college course right now. Uh, we can talk about Ponzi schemes. We can talk about open source education, like MIT's open coursework. We can do some of those together and talk about them on the show. We can talk about politics. I'm not opposed, but it has to be done in the lens of what I've already mentioned is my personal philosophy of never we are all we are all one big human family let's love each other and pursue sustainable positive net positive interactions so i won't have any sort of i'll I, i'm willing to debate 
someone who others other people but i will in within the debate i will vehemently discourage that sort of a, a, a lens um i also want to talk about you know here are some things i wanted to talk about if any of you listen to joe rogan he had on this guy a couple weeks ago it was graham hancock and the other dude dang it can't remember it i'll have to but anyway, he talked about this guy that was doing a bunch of revolutionary tech things and they were going to open source a bunch of info. I have the address of that. I was able to find it on a Reddit thread. It's strikefoundation.earth. So I want that's interesting to me. I wanted to go through uh, strikefoundation.earth together, see if there's anything interesting there. So I'm pasting that into the public sandbox. News and social media... From a positive lens, you know, if we want to read some heartwarming story about someone saving a, a penguin in distress, well, that's something we can read about. Interesting headlines. Okay, uh, let's talk about business. I'm going to say five business elements by Face. I called him Face because I couldn't remember his name, but I've got a book from him right here. Uh, Josh Kaufman. Uh, Josh Kaufman is face. He's got a great breakdown of a of a business. Define a business in five elements, and he does a great job with that. And I think it's so important. I want to talk about it um, because this will also be a business centric show. Because I think one of the most noticeable ways and best ways to stretch reality. Stretch reality. We don't want to scale our vision to meet reality. We want to stretch reality to meet our vision and goals and object objectives. Okay. So I think one of the most notable noticeable ways to do that is to start your own podcast, start your own venture, start your own show. You've had something you've been wanting to do. Do it. Go to the gym. But I think one of the most notable noticeable ways to stretch reality is to create something like a business or a venture. Um, create a logo, right? I got on a vector graphics editor open source program called Inkscape to make my simple, very simple reality stretch pro, uh, thing there. But what I did was I just put a bunch of squares, stacked them together to make an R and make an S. And then each square, I took the, uh, the color spectrum, 255, uh, increment thing, whatever you call that, and I just divided it by the number of squares and incremented each square's color. So that reality stretch logo, um, you know, that wasn't in existence before I just visualized it and pulled it out of my brain. So this is what I want to do. Let's do it. And, you know, someday I'll probably brand it, put it on a nice hat, put it on a t-shirt. Everybody sells stuff but when i see that logo i'm like hey that is something that didn't exist before i helped bring it into existence now my good ideas are not my own like i said i believe in god i believe in in jesus christ that's my personal philosophy and i think anything good in my life i haven't generated i think it's it's been influenced and encouraged and brought about because of my relationship with God. And yes, to my friends, the atheists out there, and I know a few, we'll debate this all day. 
isn't it pessimistic to assume human nature is inherently evil? I, I'm an atheist. I do good things all the time and God's not making me do it. Well, my friend atheist, that's what we'll debate about because from my perspective, it's not hopeless to say humans are evil by nature. It's hopeful because I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in salvation and redemption. And them, I'm not an infinite source of truth and light, but I believe God is. So wouldn't I rather be harnessed or tethered or yoked with an infinite source of truth and light to improve my life? Absolutely, I would. Absolutely. So... To my friends, the atheists, yes, I know it offends you. It has the potential to offend you. But I sincerely believe all the good things you've done in your life are because of God. And that's what we can debate. <laughs> but yes, that is my personal belief. My friends, the atheists. And um, I love the fact that I can believe in God and still be good friends with someone who doesn't. And even have a wholesome, a wholesome debate about it. It's through not discussing things, how can we ever reach an understanding? So maybe that's a good challenge for this week. Find, should we do a challenge? Can we do a challenge? Let me write here. Challenge! Find someone you disagree with and chat with them in a positive way about the disagreement. You know, people who just say, find things in common and talk about that. I'm like, yeah, but that's not as entertaining. As long as it comes from a perspective of, of love. You know, I don't like listening to podcasts where they promise a, a lively and spirited debate and then it ends up just being people agreeing all the time. How boring is that? It's inspirational because two people you thought would disagree end up agreeing on things, but it's not entertainment. I'm not saying, but again, I'm not saying there's a difference between a discussion and an argument. To me, what is entertaining is two people that disagree about something and acknowledge the disagreement and don't just brush over it and say, well, we know we disagree. Let's agree to disagree. Let's move on. I'm like, no, don't argue. Don't contend but let's flush out this idea. Don't just gloss over and ignore it, validating each other's disagreement and moving on. If both parties are capable of, of having a, a, a constructive disagreement and discussion and you don't, just, you don't deliver it, how is that useful? How is that helpful? How is that entertaining? Right? So... Um, the other thing about this show is it's going to be like a personal journal as well for me. So this is going to be my representation of who I am and what my philosophy is. And it's out there publicly in cyberspace for everybody. All right. Um, so find someone you disagree with and, and chat about the disagreement in a positive way. Okay. What are some other things that I enjoy doing? Um, let's launch another podcast. Launch another podcast. And what do I want to launch? Right off the bat, 
I'm going to call it a, just a short, like, blurb. Maybe I release it, you know, three times a week. And because I'm not going to spend a lot of time... Look, I have a full-time job. This activity is simply something for the productive morning hours to get my creativity and brain juice going. And while I'm working my normal day job, when I think of distractions, I throw them into my sandbox for treatment in this morning show or program. Okay. So within that is there's another podcast that I want to launch. This is really the first episode. Okay. Um, the, I did a test episode just to make sure that this streaming platform was working but that's it's not really you know it's not really substantive i'm not saying this one has been it's just been me rambling but maybe there's some someone out there who will hear me ramble and something will resonate enough for them to be able to say i want to be able to participate in this reality stretch community because that's what it is it's a community where people can pick things that interest them and I'll just talk about it on here. Like I said, hop on, tweet at me, at Reality Stretch. Your good ideas. This is the good ideas show. We will talk about the good ideas. We'll debate the good ideas. If you want to chat at me in any of the live stream chats, I don't have it pulled up right now, but I'm going to have a, I have a, 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 another screen. I've got four screens. I've got one that I did do it today because this is like the first thing. And besides, I don't have any viewers except for one bot that's trying to sell me their automation abilities um that was actually on the last stream i don't know if anyone's watching but i'm gonna assume not for this stream but because like i haven't done anything to spread the word um i bet my sister is gonna listen to this <laughs> later maybe as a podcast but she doesn't know i'm streaming right now shout out to my sister you know who you are and I hope she will come and participate on this show because I've got two sisters and they're both the bomb. Um, I don't think my wife will want to participate. It's not really her cup of tea. She thinks uh, she thinks my my brain has the potential to be an unfortunate space that shouldn't be visited. <laughs> Anyway, but the idea is one of the things uh, in, in my in my faith, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, and there's uh, there's uh, a, 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 I guess I could say a prophecy. I can't even cite it right now because I don't know where it is. But the there's a prophecy about our nation that someday the Constitution will be quote unquote hanging by a thread. It will be in peril, and you know, for me, I'm like, yeah, I hear people talk about the Constitution, the amendments, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. I don't necessarily know the history of these documents nor the content of the documents. Uh, I couldn't tell you what all the amendments are. I couldn't tell you what all is on the Bill of Rights. So I just thought it'd be a good idea just to project out into the ether in cyberspace brief snippets of what these founding documents are, their backstory, and we'll learn about them together because I don't know much about them. I've read the Declaration of Independence, an immensely inspiring document. Uh, 
considering its import. I think I've read the Constitution once. Don't remember any of it other than just the beginning. But who doesn't know the beginning? Anyway, so I was thinking we could look at these founding documents and compile it into a podcast called Constitution Daily. Surprise, surprise, constitutiondaily.com was available, so I bought it. Maybe I'll post a site up there. Anyway, back to the sandbox. This is my problem, guys, because my brain is doing this all day. And if I'm not careful, I'll take my normal day job and I will totally get derailed researching something while entertaining is not productive and is not going to help me hit my business goals with my day job. So we'll talk about business. We'll talk about, um, let's see, business, skills, expertise. Is that how you spell expertise? So that's, you know, we'll talk about that. Anyway, but you guys will witness me launch this Constitution Daily platform uh, podcast. And indeed, I'll probably just, I don't know if I can record audio in like Audacity while I'm using this hardware to stream to OBS Studio and upload to restream, distribute to the, I don't know if I can simultaneously record a separate, <laughs> a separate little blip, but if I can, I'll do it on the show. We'll research the founding documents. We'll read, we'll, um, publish it. Okay. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, uh, here I'll touch on this briefly. See, this is in my sandbox for treatment right now during the show, except not right now. Uh, because I originally said this was going to be an hour long show. And we're already at like an hour and a half. So is it important I stick to that? I think it's important that I'm predictable and people know what to accept, uh, expect. But since we're so new to this, I think it's fine if I ramble on. You know, who's going to listen to it anyway? If I'm enjoying myself and I think it's been a wholesome, productive morning, look, we're stretching reality already. Because why? Because I made that reality stretch logo i bought realitystretch.com back in 2017 and didn't know what to do with the brand i knew what it meant to me i knew what it meant to me but didn't do anything with it in a significant way until i set everything up and planned this during my morning productive hours and then i clicked the start streaming button So what do we got to do to hit the start streaming button in our lives? I've got a word that I want to flush out with you guys. I want to flush out. Is it flush out or flush out? I don't know. We're going to, let's say flush because flush just sounds like a toilet. Like you're trying to flush something away, but flush is like you're working it out. I don't know. So listen, there's a new word that, are you a wordsmith? Is anybody a wordsmith? Because I've been asking some people this question. There's, a, I think there's a, the absence of a word. I don't think this word is represented by any... This, I don't think this concept is represented by any word. I think it would take a minimum of three or four or five words to represent the concept I'm about to convey. I want a word for... 
someone who is responsible, proactive, aggressive, and excited in squashing tasks and taking them through to completion. And I don't think there's a single word that represents that. I was thinking squashability or squashableness, but then that sounds more like the the ability for something, how easily is it squashed? It sounds more task-oriented and less the athlete that is completing the tasks. So imagine you give someone a list of tasks or you yourself have a list of tasks. The spirit by which you aggressively and proactively, skillfully, definitively knock out those tasks in a quick in an expeditious and accurate manner. What is that word? Not dependable. Dependable means you can depend on someone to do something, but it also doesn't embody, in my opinion, their attitude or ability while doing it. Responsible, to me, indicates you are responding to something, and we can count on you to be responsible for something. Meaning, if you're responsible for a house and the care of the house, and the plumbing goes, you know, the, the sink has a leak, you're responsible for fixing the leak. To me, it's too reactive and passive. Yeah, you have to be active to do something about it, but it doesn't reference timeliness and your attitude while doing it. So what is this word? If you are a wordsmith, tweet at me at Reality Stretch and tell me what this word is. I have a candidate. And I don't think it's a great candidate, but I'm going to use it for now. So first I'm going to say the word and then I'm going to def define it. And we'll have to, uh, I don't want to do it right now. We can do that potentially in another show. Right now, the best candidate. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm going towards something like proact or something but then it sounds like retractable <laughs> i don't know uh, are you proactable how proactable are you because it's like you're proactive and you're responsible but i changed the able to able so proactable is that a is that a good word does that connote what i want to say here it's not a word i looked it up I just Googled it and didn't pop up with anything. Proactable. So it, it does. How, what's the feeling of that word? Does it convey what I'm trying to say here? I don't know. But there needs to be a word that embodies someone's ability to accurately get something done in an expeditious manner, take ownership immediately and squash it, crush it, knock it out of the park, and do it again and again and again. Grit isn't the word. Resilience isn't the word. Responsible isn't the word. word. Dependable isn't the word. Um, integrity isn't the word. It's it. Those are all aspects of what I'm trying to say. But this needs to be an adjective that describes someone that embodies the ability to get stuff done well, quickly, and with a smile on their face. So proactable. How proactable are you? What's your pro proactability? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll flesh that out. Item in the sandbox. 
What else do I have in here? I don't know. Funny jokes, current events. Here's something I enjoy doing for fun. I like looking at real estate in other countries. I went on a mission for my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, from 2012 to 2014, and I was in South Africa, Cape Town. I was on in the, the eastern and western capes. Cape Town, Port Elizabeth. I was in a place called Nisna, Grahamstown, Gugletu. Um, Grahamstown was just renamed Makanda, which I think is really, really funny how similar it sounds to Wakanda, but whatever. I don't know. When the Ministry of Culture changes the name of an entire city, I wonder how widespread the adoption is or how quickly the adoption takes. Maybe during this show, maybe I'll contact one of my friends that lives there and say, so what? The Minister of Culture renamed the city from Grahamstown to Makanda. So what did that mean? What influence does it have? And do all of the locals refer to it as Makanda now? Or do they still call it Grahamstown? That would be an interesting thing to hear about, wouldn't it? For me, may not be interesting to anyone else, but it's interesting to me. And considering I have an audience, a vast audience of none right now, then um, I just get to do what's interesting to me. And that's pretty much going to be throughout this entire show. If it's not interesting to me, if you tell me to talk about something on this program that is not of interest to me, it's your responsibility to make a case as to why it should be interesting to me. And you're more than welcome to make that case. So what I will say is if someone pitches me with something that I should talk about, they want me to talk about, and I don't find it interesting, I will tell you, that's not interesting to me. Make a case as to why it should be interesting. And if I find your case compelling, then I will talk about it. Now, since the goal of this podcast here, this show, this podcast, is simply a way for me to vent, express my thoughts and interests, I want to be very clear. If I never have a single viewer and all this just gets there in cyberspace, remember the intent for which I'm doing this. It's a, it's a, a really interesting idea is I've asked this of people. If you were to build a time capsule specifically for an extraterrestrial audience, if you were to build a time capsule that embodied the human spirit, achievement, driving philosophy, first we have to define what is the size of the time capsule itself and are there any limitations to what can be stored therein either by quantity or volume some people have told me i would put the whole internet on a hard drive you'd stick it in the time capsule i'm like yeah but sophistication is one of the highest forms of simplicity so wouldn't a, a, a very advanced society what if they didn't go the route of PCB boards, silicon. What I'm getting at is what if a society went a different route of development and they don't have a way. 
to view a hard drive? What if they look at it and treat it just like a rock? Be like, well, here's an interesting, you know, brick with a that's pretty dense. They put it in the time capsule. Maybe it's like a counterbalance. Maybe it's like a weight to just help, you know. <laughs> like seriously, like I'm just I'm just curious. Why assume that another civilization has the ability to parse our info? So is that allowed or not? Can we just put a hard drive in there with a bunch of info? Maybe, but what, how useful would it be? So my question to people is: You had to embody human spirit and achievement and history in a time capsule. What would you? What goes in there? What goes in there? It's also considering that our individual experience is framed by our individual filters and perspective, it's also an interesting way to flesh out what's really important to someone. What is really important to someone? How would they represent humanity to an extraterrestrial species if we were to launch a time capsule out there? I know we've sent some similar forms of time capsule. What was inside? I don't know. I don't remember. There was like some newspaper articles. When were they sent? What are the instances in which we've sent time capsules or, or communications out there for space, in space? So let's put also on here, extraterrestrial time capsule. Okay. So that's something for treatment in the sandbox. We'll come back to the sandbox and we'll talk about it. Maybe devote a whole episode to it because it's definitely worthy of consideration. It's a deep question. And if we're ever in this, the point where I'm going to be interviewing people on this show, interesting people, people I, I think we could have a, a good dialogue, then that's going to be one of the questions I ask them. And honestly, we could spend a whole hour plus asking that question. Sending an extraterrestrial, a time capsule intended to represent the human species. Because you also have to think, what's our intended audience of this time capsule? We can say, how would the time capsule be different if you weren't sending it to extraterrestrials, but you were sending it to a country on Earth? Uh, now it totally changes because you're not representing all of humanity, or are you? What, are you? what would you represent, and what would you send, and why would you send it? Because as a society, as we become better at storing information, capturing and storing information better than we ever have in the history of humankind, what are we storing? What are we capturing? And eventually, it's happening already. The amount, the sheer amount of information stored is far more than any individual can comprehend or parse. So what gets filtered out and what gets projected? I think it's important because if you're not proactive about these sorts of things, you're going to end up adrift. You're going to end up just reacting to everything as it comes at you every single day. You're not going to be proactive. You're not going to create. You're not going to curate. You're not going to be able to filter what's coming at you if you just allow what other people. You will have opinions assigned to you and you will be influenced. Are you just going to take Anything and everything that comes your way? Are you going to be adrift? Or are you going to be proactive? Go out there and find what you want to receive, what you want to learn, what you want to do in life. I am a big proponent and advocate for the latter. And I somewhat resent all of the influences out there 
that are constantly bombarding me, trying to persuade me in one direction or another. Let's not be trendy. Let's be trendsetters. Steve Jobs wore a turtleneck and some light-colored jeans. People considered him an, a, a visionary, stylish person. Meanwhile, other people would have said his style was lazy. So who are you and what are you trying to pull off? I'm not Steve Jobs, that's for sure. But I think my objective is to not be trendy. A lot of people say, I'm going about this podcast, this show. If my intent was to have a huge audience, then people say I'm going about it the wrong way. I read an article that said, you should do keyword research, see what's trending, pick one, become an expert in it, and share your expertise. You should have a focused a focused class or you know I really like Joe Rogan but I'm not a fan of MMA USC or comedians for that matter I skip all the episodes when he's talking to a fighter or a comic they're just not interesting to me and and for Lex Friedman who I like as another example I find his show very interesting, but if he's talking to someone about artificial intelligence poker game theory, it's just not quite as interesting. It's just not, I'm sorry, like I'll listen, it just, it just, so my bias and my preferences will become very apparent. What are my comedians? What are my, um, UFC or MMA what are what are my AI poker things my own preferences and lens will become apparent as I continue with my morning uploads I don't know what they are right now and I would love to have a third party if anyone ever participates in this show I would like to have a third party come in and say hey man your your bias your UFC your MMA your comedians your AI poker is X what is it? Is it business? Because I'm inspired by entrepreneurship. Is it, um, I don't know. I don't know. What, what am I going to be biased leaning towards? Because it's a blind spot for me. I don't know. But the point is, let's not be reactive to the trends and be bottom feeders in the lake. I don't have, I have no problem with people who do that. Absolutely none. More power to them. And they produce great content. Like the, the what? The the god of YouTube, the famous YouTuber Mr. Beast, who built his entire brand strictly off of saying what will get clicks, what will get likes. And the guy is a freaking machine. He's a master of his craft. And I think that's very inspirational. Very. You know? People that think that Mr. Beast is just silly or stupid or uncreative or unintelligent. I hear so much hate online for Mr. Beast for his principle of just doing what will get what will capture eyeballs and ears and minds. He's a master of his craft. My goodness. So inspirational. Anyway, I like playing video games. I like watching video game streamers. 
but those activities are not sustainable for me in my life because they're not I, they're not giving me an outlet to where I can give, where I can produce, where I can create, I can give back. So I'm, I'm, I'm replacing those sorts of activities with doing this show, right? Um, anyway, what else? Chat GPT, we already talked about that. Uh, f- news and current events that might be under the radar or people are, people are not otherwise aware of it. You know, one thing that I learned about a long time ago is Kashmir. Uh, what an interesting place. Kashmir. I'm going to throw it in the sandbox for treatment at a later date. Um, the why? Because it's an independent sovereign nation in between India and Pakistan that basically is not even recognized. Like there's the India-occupied or the Indian-occupied half of Kashmir and the Pakistan-occupied half of Kashmir. And I read an article that down the middle of Kashmir, on either side of the occupy, occupy, occupancy, occupancy, you know, it's volatile. Like, apparently people, like, roll bombs and grenades across the border, and it's very violent. And I'm like, man, what do the people in Kashmir actually want? Do they want to be... Indian controlled as a whole or Pakistani controlled or do they want to be sovereign and independent as a whole I don't know is there even a way to find out what the citizenry of Kashmir actually even wants because like even here in the United States when we declared a revolution and the declaration of independence and we we fell away or uh, distanced ourselves from Brit- uh, England and King George the whatever number he was, King George the Third. I don't know. Obviously, I should look into uh, history a little bit more. The point was there were a lot of people here that disagreed with that move at that time. And by some accounts, it could have been the majority of the people that disagreed with that move at that time. How are you going to poll people in 1776? And how are you going to get feedback on what the people actually want? Was it just a loud, super loud minority that actually declared independence? We know that there were a lot of, uh, you know, uh, crown sympathizers and and people that sided with the British. But what does that number look like? So research. Um, so Kashmir is an interesting case. You know, I should find out if people speak English there. Maybe it'd be fun to chat with one. I don't know. It's crazy. And who's to say that the person we chat with is representative of the general sentiment? Can you measure that? I don't know. So, American Revolution, what percentage of people were actually in favor of the revolution? Maybe that's something for the Constitution Daily podcast. I don't know. Um... Now, I wrote some things in my personal sandbox that doesn't even make sense <laughs> to me anymore. So, there's a lot of open source free education out there. I mentioned MIT OpenCourseWork. I also found this guy on like GitHub that posted like a whole electrical engineering curriculum based off of a course that he took in Brazil. He basically just took all the coursework and uploaded it. 
and I found it on GitHub, and I was like, oh my goodness, this would be fun. This would be fun. We could also talk about how my wife totally got um, got wished. Where's this thing? Rifling through my drawers. My wife got wished online. I'm going to open this thing because it's great. So she ordered a ukulele for kids for Christmas for uh, one of our sons. And... Let me see if I can open this package. First of all, the package in of itself. So I think she ordered it off eBay, if I remember. But she got wished because she thought it was a kid's size, you know, or a, a smaller version of a full-size ukulele. What we ended up with was this, I'll just keep it in the box, this, like, fun-sized bar, king-sized bar ukulele. And... On the packaging, it's like all in Chinese. It's really cute, actually. She's like, let's request a refund and send it back. And I said, nope. I like it. I want it. So now it's mine. Um, anyway, my wife got wished. That was pretty funny. So for anyone unfamiliar with the term sure everybody is but you remember the, the 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 app called wish that you used to be able to order cheap things from and it was seldomly representative of the picture either the size was way off or something was wrong with it no way dude this freaking little thing now i've changed my mind it actually has tuning pegs no way this thing is fly. Maybe if I tune it, will it actually work? And importantly, will the tuning pegs stay or where I twist them or will they regress? It's plastic. There's screws. I can take it apart. Man, this thing's actually... I take it back. It might be smaller than anticipated, but man, this thing is the bomb. I'm going to play with this. Uh, I wish I was talented, more talented in music. I'm not, really. Um, maybe that's something we'll work on. Maybe I'll say... Anyway, but this is... you. This Anyone listening to this is witnessing the start of my New Year's resolution. I'm just getting a jump start on it. I want to stream this at least an hour show every single morning five days a week so like i said you guys are my accountability partners uh, my audience of none here uh, are my accountability partners and i'm going to hold myself to this goal of broadcasting every single morning and it's going to be a fun ride i am so excited you guys don't know how excited i am I'm very, very excited. It feels good to actually do something, to pull something out of your mind and do it. And that's what I'm hoping to embody in this show and inspire others to do as well. If you're inspired by this show and you go out and start your own podcast, do do it. Just do it, though. No more, no more of this sitting and thinking, I'd really like to do this. Podcasts are virtually free to start. 
I bought a subscription to Restream.io because they broadcast to a lot of live platforms, and I thought that was cool. And I'm still trying to find a podcast hosting platform. Um, I think I found one. I don't remember the name of it. But after this, I'm going to download this audio from Restream, and I'm going to upload it to the podcast platform that I choose for distribution. Let's see if I can figure it out. I don't know. But the fact is, you've had a good idea. You've been sleeping on it. You know you need to do it. Just do it. Is it going to the gym? Do it. Getting fit? Do it. Uh, starting a podcast? Do it. Starting a business? Do it. Just If you're comfortable with taking risks, take the risks. If you don't know what your natural strengths are, figure them out. If there are skills you want to learn, learn them. If you want to be comfortable taking risks and you don't know where to start, take a risk. Just don't go kick someone in the shin. <laughs> Bad way to take a risk. Risk with a low reward. You won't you won't have the warm fuzzies of doing something. Uh nice. We, you know, maybe we'll also do some quizzes together. Random quizzes, random games, quizzes and games maybe i'll pull up my twitter feed and we'll pull in some news that way and maybe troll some people maybe tweet at some people and, and troll them we can research some some ponzi schemes i've got i've got this thing i don't know it might be defunct now so i want to i became made aware of um this this one venture that sounded super shady and i think it's a ponzi scheme but i didn't have a chance to look into it ponzi scheme or pyramid scheme is there a big difference i don't know we'll find out together so there's a ponzi scheme pyramid scheme i've been meaning to look into to see if it's actually legit but my gut says no but we'll research it anyway because that sounds like fun also my uh, a general commentary on AI entertainment. I want to spit out. I want to spit out these thoughts I've been having in my mind because very soon they're going to be a reality. I've been thinking about this for years, and if I'm thinking about it, I'm not an avant-garde individual. If I'm thinking about it, there's another hundred thousand people out there in the world thinking about it. So several years ago, but what's cool to me is we're getting closer and closer to this as a society. Several years ago, I started thinking about things that are in public domain because that's interesting to me. And I, I started seeing that people were playing with AI. And now a lot of people were saying that AI is going to lead to automation of jobs and net job loss. I welcome that personally hot take i welcome that because it's societal progress people think i'm crazy let's debate it but while i was on my mission in south africa i was tasked with helping to weed someone's garden couldn't freaking find a rototiller someone went out looking for a rototiller they came back and said yeah we can't find a rototiller apparently in this city of like two million people there's like only a handful of rototillers because they would rather you create jobs by hiring a team of people to go manually turn the soil. So I'm in f a favor of automation as an, an alternative to regression. Like your washing machine in your house is a form of automation. Would you rather take a washboard and go out to a creek 
Like, like technological innovation should not be stifled in favor of, of regressive practices. Like, uh, like I said, a washing machine, a dishwasher, a clothes washing machine. You want to do all that by hand? That's automation. I don't want to do it by hand. I want the machine to do it. So when it comes to artificial intelligence, a lot of people are saying, hey, if we have um, most mundane jobs. Now, I don't fault anyone for doing what I would consider to be a mundane job. Our church has a cannery that cans pears locally. Um, any, any food that's distributed throughout the globe from our church if there's a can of pears in the mix, it came from this cannery that's in Garden City, Idaho, a few miles away from where I live, uh, maybe about a 10-minute drive. I hate volunteering at the cannery. Yeah, you get the warm fuzzies. Great. I'm helping people have pears, eat pears. But in the cannery, and anybody can go volunteer there. If you're local, I think so. I think anybody can. You can call them and find out. It's called the Garden City Cannery if anyone's local in the Treasure Valley. You have to sit there, and I'm usually on this line where there's a bunch of pears going through this belt, and I'm tasked with the responsibility along with another you know, 12 people, six to a side, of watching the pears. And if you find a spot that the automatic peelers missed, you take a little carving tool and you cut out the brown spot and then put it back. You know, you cut out the peel. If, if the peeler missed a portion of peel or if they missed the stem, you sit there and you, you, you carve it out and it goes down the line. Now, you do this in like a four-hour shift. Now, your phone is in the locker room. Everything's sanitized. So no phone, no listening to podcasts, no entertainment, super loud machine. And plus, they it's hard to find a clock in the place. I think that's by design. I think they do that just to torture me. Because you sit there on the assembly line watching this blue belt. First of all, I typically get vertigo. Because after four hours of staring at this belt moving, trying to find pairs, you know, by about an hour and a half in, I start getting super dizzy, lightheaded, vertigo. And sometimes, you know weak little me you get these machine people up there that just can motor through the whole out four hours plus without an issue for some reason i get vertigo i usually get transferred to a different station where i get to like spray down the fruit or use a pallet jack to move the the fruit around it baffles me that people in the industrial area and even still today work factory line jobs where they basically do that exact same thing 12 hours a day six days a week or seven days a week mind mind-blowing can you imagine being in like a textile plant and doing that that sort of work 12 hours a day my grandparents generation and their parents and their parents parents that did that kind of stuff hats off to them their work ethic their focus i can't do it i can't do it and i'm sad about that but anyway there we go I need to change my attitude because I'm very much would rather not have people have pairs just so I can't, just so I don't have to stand in that line canning pears for a long time. <laughs> Isn't that sad? I mean, pears, you can't live off of pears. They're just like an ancillary thing. Are they healthy? Yeah, probably. But. If it's the apocalypse, I won't cry if I don't have canned pears. But no, they are delicious. And if people enjoy them, 
it's good. So forget everything that I just said. All I'm saying is hats off to those people that worked during the era when those were the majority of the types of jobs that you could get in an industrialized urban setting. There was, there's always been agriculture. You can always go out and farm, get some fresh air, lots of hard work farming, lots of hard work, big responsibility, high risk. But for the people that worked in the factories and the plants, it's just a different era. It's a different era. Let's not forget the work ethic. Let's perpetuate that. But my point is when people worry about jobs being automated, I say don't be regressive. Let jobs be automated because something better is going to turn up. Now, what's interesting is some people claimed, myself included, once typical jobs are automated, humanity at large will have more time to express themselves in the arts. So, um, anyway, my thought process there was we'll have more time to, to, to dabble in the arts. Hang on just one second. One second here. I've got to step away for two seconds. Let me mute this one minute. How do I mute this? Hang on. Let me just turn my mic down. Yo, hey. Now, my six-year-old son just knocked on the door. While I'm willing to plaster my face all over the internet voluntarily, projected out there to cyberspace, I'm not willing to force my son to do that. <laughs> so I'm like, my son's knocking on the door. I'm absolutely not going to ignore him. Let me go take it and tell him I'll go check in with him in about 10 minutes i'm working out of my home office today i've got a few appointments i need to go to anyway <clears throat> so the point is um art people said we'll be able to spend more time in the art and i was in that camp for a little bit until i started seeing the AI generated art and I was having so much fun with AI generated art. I love artists, um, their talent, their ability. I wish I had more of uh, the artistic ability, but what I've seen AI do with still images is remarkable, but you'll, I don't think this is my prediction. I don't think they'll ever be able to completely automate the human factor I, I i told my dad this i said uh you know once the day comes when everything is automated kiosks you don't have any personal interaction anymore you go to a fast food place you talk to a robot it's already happening once everything's automated 
there's going to be like a Nordstrom type service store that opens up where they're going to be flooded with associates and who will personally t walk you through the store and direct you to every single thing, give you a white glove experience. Whatever that looks like. I don't know what it would look like, but there's always going to be a counter force that arises. And so when people are really missing that human touch, there's going to be such a thing that opens up. And the products might be might cost five times more what they regularly would, but people will still go to that sort of experience because it provides something that the, the automated experience does not. But until then... I don't think it should be regulated. I don't think it should be impeded or controlled. Um, I think the it should be a truly free market. And I think it will naturally balance itself and things will come around. That's my own hot take. I think, if anything, the further automation and the, the limiting or minimization of human interaction is simply going to lead to more of a the boutique farm to table type restaurants experiences i think we'll see some handmade human made furniture stores open up i think if anything the counter culture the counter uh force will be focusing on boutique local services and, and products and goods and work so I think it'll be a healthy thing, but I think that will show up. I personally feel like that'll show up. I don't really have anything to back that up other than it just makes common sense to me. And I could be way off because I was off on this AI art thing because I think AI is going to get better and better at doing art. And what I've been asking of AI from the beginning, the AI gods, hello, who are you? Who are the AI gods? Whoever's out there, Give me an experience where I could... Are feature-length films even going to be in demand anymore? I don't know. Are series? I don't know. Whatever the content, whatever the preferred medium is, I really like series, but I also like feature-length films. But it is true. Sometimes a feature-length film feels too long. But Interstellar didn't, and that's a three-hour movie. I love Interstellar. What a fun, what a fun thing. Um, great movie. But anyway, I need an experience from AI because I want an, an ephemeral entertainment experience. I, I, I hardly ever watch a movie more than once because once I've seen it, I feel like I've gotten the value out of it that I expected. But what's contrary, what's what seems um, like a contradiction of that is I also don't mind spoilers. I'm fine with spoilers. I'm perfectly fine with spoilers. People can tell me spoilers of any movie and I'll welcome it. I don't care. I think it's great because it gives it prolongs my enjoyment of it. Because if I'm excited to see a movie and someone spoils something important, I enjoy it while they spoil it. But I also know them telling me about it is not the same as me watching it. So really when someone quote unquote spoils a movie for me, to me, it just prolongs the entertainment and enjoyment. So I, I personally don't have a problem with it. I'm like, hey, a movie just came out. You saw it. Great. Tell me all about it. I want to hear your take. I want to hear what you liked and didn't like. And then I'm going to go watch it for myself. And I'm just, I'm going to like it as much as I would have if it hadn't have been quote unquote spoiled. So I'm kind of weird and contradictory in that way. But anyway, 
I seldomly watch a movie more than once once I have watched it because nothing's going to change from the first time. Now, that is not true for a short form YouTube reel or short. I'm not on TikTok. I used to be. I got rid of my account. Um, but maybe once it's gotten rid of, it's never truly gone. So I guess I probably have some data out there that was saved. Anyway, I'll watch a YouTube short that's entertaining. Mr. Beast just put one out where he paid a guy 300 bucks, all expenses paid, to go to France for him and pick up a dozen baguettes and bring them back it was like a minute long short i think i watched it like seven times because it was masterfully produced highly entertaining so when it comes to short form content i will repeat it and re-ingest it but if it's a feature length film once i've seen it once if i really 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 liked it i might watch it again but or again a few years later you know whatever if i'm in a group and people want to watch a movie together, and it's one I've seen before, great. That's fine. Especially because then you don't have to be solely invested in, in ingesting it because you've already seen it before. That, in fact, a, a movie with which I'm familiar is probably most appropriate for a group uh, social event, to be honest. So my ask of the AI gods is give me the ability to input variables, genres, styles, characters, and moods or emotions. And have it spit out to me entertainment in the form of a feature-length film. It takes so much processing, so much processing power to, to render 3D animations or animations in general. Imagine how much processing power it would take to generate a, a, a super hyper photorealistic world. But that's what I love. I love an ephemeral experience in entertainment. The unpredictability of knowing... I put in just like just like what chat GPT has generated for me and this is why I want to voice this right now and throw it out there because I think we're not far away from this and I think it's very possible it'd be easiest to start with Hallmark Christmas rom-coms because they're all freaking the same it'd be so much easier to, to generate with AI using chat GPT you can already generate a script and a table read and all of that you just can't yet using AI generate 100% total visually the production. And that's what I'm asking for because I've been wanting to do this for years and now ChatGPT can virtually do any of that except for the rendering and the, the composition of the visual aspect. So where am I going with public domain? I think I want to be an agent of the dead. I want to be the talent agent. And I want to see if a person's figure can fall into public domain. Almost like an NFT. I'm not a big fan of an NFT. But can you NFT someone's the rights to their personality? Because then you might have to say, so here's the thing. I like old movies. Um, I like, uh, let's look at one classic in my opinion, Cary Grant, Cary Grant, what a class act, what an iconic individual, Cary Grant. He was in a really funny movie that my family watches on occasion called Arsenic and Old Lace. And the premise 
It's a great movie to watch around Halloween. It's very, it's a black comedy. It's a, a dark comedy. Um, and the idea is Cary Grant, his aunts are very kind, very sweet ladies, but he finds out they've been killing people and burying them in the cellar in the basement, but they're doing it out of ben uh, motivated by benevolence. If they think someone is just at the end of their rope and no bright prospects in their future, they put them out of misery like a horse with a broken leg. There's nothing graphic. It's very creative and very well acted and hilarious, absolutely hilarious. There's nothing gruesome, nothing, um, nothing... There's just there's nothing improper about the presentation, but the subject matter is so dark and so hilarious. Anyway, so if I could take Cary Grant for example, if you find if if there's a, a a date by which someone's personality can fall into public domain, but then you have to say, can you represent their whole being as a whole, or can you just take the portion that was represented? So if Let's say a movie was recorded prior to the the public domain date. Let's say the public domain date is, let's say, 1922, because that's what they did with audio recordings. If a film was recorded of someone who was deceased in, like, 1950, but their image was recorded in 1921, is that image at that time in public domain can someone's image someone's personality someone's presence be in public domain and if so can i be an agent of the dead can i can i take that person and basically under a free license free use license can i become their like talent manager their agent manager where i you know can plug in all of their their work into AI in order to be able to replicate that person's persona in a manner such that they can be recasted in AI-generated films. And even taking a living real artist, uh, you can first of all, you can make up artists. There's this person on, on social media, I don't remember her name at the time, who's an entirely AI-generated creation, just... just a virtual persona doesn't exist in the real world, but very much exists on social media. And the advantage of that is it's a whole team that manages this image. So it's not reliant on just one person's image. That person, just like Mickey Mouse, is no different than like Mickey Mouse. But that whole, per that whole team can manage this woman's social media who doesn't actually exist but very much exists in, in the realm of cyberspace. So first of all, AI can generate totally new actors and actresses um, to, to portray roles in AI-generated content. But besides that, if they wanted to use the persona of a, a current living active talent, then they could cut them in on a portion of the, the proceeds or monetization if, if they want to license their personality to AI productions. Anyway, I don't care how it's done or how it's licensed, but if it's possible, I want to be an agent, a talent agent of the dead. And, but besides that, on a different note, my real ask is I want AI to, I want to be able to input some variables and maybe even entire feature length films of, as a variable. Say, I want a, I want a, um, I don't know, just throw in some variables. I want 
a an action adventure um uh i want an action ad well i have a very real example i'll come back to in a second i want an action adventure in the style of a christmas story right <laughs> you'll shoot your eye out anyway you get my point you say what you want maybe you know you can identify I, I want a happy generally happy ending i want a sad ending i want uh explicit content i don't want explicit content or whatever but you input all the variables and it spits out a production for you that you can enjoy uh it's not repeatable maybe you can set something up to where you own the rights to it but otherwise the platform owns the rights and you can share it with your friends, say, hey, look at this movie or this this feature or this series that was just spat out um, by this by this AI entertainment program. Most likely, though, they're not going to watch it because they're going to be too busy spitting out their own entertainment. Would it have more or less meaning that way? I'm not sure. But here's a very real example. I loved the Uncharted. Which Uncharted was it on the PlayStation? Um is it four? I don't remember. My sister's played all the games. I've only, I haven't even played the one that I had. I think it was Uncharted 4. And I was a mix of Indiana Jones, National Treasure, and Pirates of the Caribbean. Those were the, th I imagine in an AI world, if I said, hey, AI, do whatever the heck you want, but give me a, a, a two-hour feature-length film that combines... Pirates of the Caribbean, Indiana Jones, and National Treasure. Go. I would imagine what it would produce would be very similar to the storyline of Uncharted 4. I think it was Uncharted 4, like I said. Now, I didn't play the whole game. I got really, really sick. I had a really bad fever and couldn't sleep. And so I loved the game, the beginning that I played. But I wanted to know the storyline so one night while I had a fever, I watched like all six hours of a cinematic cut scene that everybody put together, that someone put together on YouTube, a, a, a compilation of every cinematic cut scene. And it ended up being like six hours. I watched the whole freaking thing in one night. I wouldn't recommend that. It's kind of a silly thing to do, but man, it held my interest and it was a great story. So good job to all the humans behind the creation of the Uncharted game now like I mentioned we shouldn't be afraid of automation because the pendulum will swing around um, I think I I don't really think that we will hit a singularity event I personally don't think that is that short-sighted is could someone could someone explain otherwise um, sure sure I welcome you to do so change my mind that we will not be hitting a singularity event. Well, now, I think the pendulum will swing, and just like I think jobs that are automated will be lacking a human touch, I think that there's an, an element of human touch. And if, if you take it to the other conclusion and you say that, no, we will hit a singularity, everything's going to be AI-generated, we won't know what humans are real or, or not, unless we're actually talking to them face to face. Well, now let's take it further. Let's explore that idea. Let's flesh it out further. And I think we're gonna get pretty close to simulation theory, aren't we?
all those people that believe we're already in a simulation, what's the difference? What's the difference? It's really interesting to think about simulation theory and think about the ability AI has to generate artificial life that appears real. So anyway, we're in a wild time in the history of humanity. And uh, we could refer to what's real. <laughs> Such a redundant recursive logic here. But we can refer to what's real as reality. And I want to stretch it. 